1: Los Angeles is a lonely sort of place. Even for a boy's first embrace. Let me tell you, I'm out here from a very far
2: away
3: place. Oh, for a chance to be a star. Nowhere seems to be too far. All right, folks, thanks for joining us this evening. We've got a fun show planned. um I'm sure we could all use some, some serious baseball talk to take our minds off everything else going on in the world right now. And, uh,. With the draft coming up, the most important point in the Tigers' year is uh, is real close. Um, whatever happens with the season, the draft is the whole thing for the Tigers this year. And so we've got a very special guest for you tonight. We've got Brian Sikowski um, from Perfect Game. He's their national scouting supervisor. And we're going to do this as a tandem podcast with the Don't Call It a Rebuild, It's a Team Build podcast. So we've got Mark Garrosh joining us as well. Fellas, thanks for coming on.
1: Brandon, Brian, how you doing tonight? Good man.
0: Appreciate you guys having me. Looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, well, we got to have a little local flavor because, uh, every every time I turn around, I see uh, I see Brian on uh, YouTube, uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's he's the most famous media draft expert on earth, and the fact that he's basically in our backyard, uh, local to Metro Detroit, and coaches at Orchard Lake Saint Mary besides all the perfect game stuff he does, it's, it's an honor to have him. And I've known Brian for a long time since he was just a, a a neophyte in the business. (laughs) Weren't we all dumb kids at some point? Uh, But you know, there, there's a, there's a beauty to being a dumb kid too. But yeah, I mean, now, now he's a big shot and, I, I was laughing the other day because somebody suggested them to they, – they, they didn't really understand what they were inferring, but they, they they suggested Brian for something to do with Oakland, and a lot of people immediately thought Oakland A's, and I kind of understood it meant Oakland University, <laughs> but I, I, I actually think Brian belongs working for the Oakland A's a lot more than he belongs working for Oakland University. What, One so. what of those
3: people was me. Yeah, I got real excited for a second. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Yeah.
1: I would, would, would be very good in a new age front office, he really would, because he's grown up, you know, with a scouting background and understands all the technology and data, so he, he'd he almost be the perfect guy to for someone to hire. Too bad they don't like paying people these days. They just like laying them off and furloughing them.
2: So.
0: Speaking of paying, I will be Venmoing you both for these compliments. <laughs> yeah.
2: so.
1: Well... I, I think, Brian, you, you will know that Brandon and I are advocating for when the new owner takes over the Detroit Tigers. Maybe you'll, you'll be at the top of somebody's list to go into the front office. I have <laughs> 10 or 12 different guys. I buy the team from Mr. Illich. Might be a, might oh, be a man. good
3: one. So. Yeah. Well just just to kind of, just to kind of set the table here a little bit. Yeah, let's talk about the the Tigers a little bit and just, you know, just how important this draft is and kind of where they are in their their build up here. Um I was just kind of wondering for your take on that, Brian. Like I I mean, obviously things haven't gone as fast as as any of us would like. Um there's been some uh, at least a few missteps, if not many missteps along the way. But, you know, things are coming around. You know, they've got at least five real guys now. Um a bunch more guys who are guy adjacent uh, on the farm system. Um, but how, how are you feeling about them these days as we uh, near the draft? Yeah, um,
0: I'm like conflicted between like, uh, I, I do think that they have done a good job of like building back the farm system to a degree and, and this, that, the other thing. Like I, those are objective facts. The farm system is better than it was, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, they've hit, it looks like they've hit on some draft picks. It looks like they've hit on some high draft picks, which are obviously the more important ones to hit on. Um, but at the same time, like, I, you know, and, and this is uh, I, I obviously you both are aware or follow, you know, our, our guy Confusion Rain uh, on, uh, on Twitter, and I'm a big fan of his analysis as well. But um, he's, you know, he's, he's always said, and Mark, I've seen you say it too, is like, well, why are we applauding what should have happened in half the time that it happened in? You know, compared to other teams. So, so like, I'm conflicted in in that I I do think there are positives. I I think this draft is like, like you know, here's where we go from building to, like, we're going to fucking do this thing. You know, pardon my French. But, you know, here's where we're going to go from, like, all right, the system's coming back. Well, okay, a bunch of those arms are going to be ready. So, you know, what else we got? We're a year or two away from potentially having three or four of those dudes in the rotation. Uh, potentially, at the big league level. So, all right, well, what are we going to do offensively? Obviously, they're probably going to take a bat at 1-1. So, <laughs> and with Riley Green last year, and, and I know, uh, Mark, you like Paredes, and I've never seen him play, but he sounds like at least the solid big leaguer. Um, you know, this this is kind of the, if you hit that one and you hit that 38, you know, it, it's all, it could go a long way towards uh, um, making the rebuild more of a reality than a hope. I guess.
3: Yeah. I mean, other than the 2017 draft, which will not be named, you know, I think, yeah, overall the drafting has been better. Um, it, a lot of it seems to me just to still go back to the trades. You know, they, they just really didn't get that much um, considering the talent they had. They waited too long, obviously, with some guys to, to deal them. Nick Castellanos, perhaps. Um, some of some of those things have, have hurt them as well. But um but, yeah, at least there's progress going. Um, Scott Boris found him, Tarek Skubel a couple years ago. That was big. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, all those kind of things help.
0: Who throws 101 now?
3: Yeah. yeah. Case,
0: Casey well, he, Mize does man, not. He's a see fascinating that.
1: story. Yeah. He, he, is, he, a, is, he is a fascinating story.
0: Because he was a guy. He was a he was a guy as a freshman. You know, he wasn't really a guy coming out of high school, but got to Seattle and the velo came quick. And it's this, you know, long, lanky lefty who's touching the mid 90s as a freshman. And he, he all of a sudden was like, hey, you know, this we got to circle this name for a couple of years from now. This this guy's got to go on under class lists. Um, you know, this, that, the other thing, a guy to pay attention to. And then he got hurt. Obviously, everyone knows and missed the better part of two seasons and he kind of dropped off the board. And, and then everybody knows the story from there. Like the velo come came back, but nothing else did. And the Tigers ended up getting him for, you know, fifth or sixth round money, whatever that was. And and now the, the, the rest is history. But yeah. It's, he was like, that's kind of the point I'm trying to make is he was a guy before the injury. Like he was on radar. He was a guy as a freshman that I remember uh, my colleague, Jeremy Brown was, was close with the Seattle pitching coach at the time. Um, and he he texted uh, us in a group chat, and this is obviously years ago now, but it was like, "Hey, I heard there's a you know a future first rounder at Seattle." And we were like, "What?" <laughs> you know, and it was Tariq ago and it was you know in 2016 or whatever that even was. Um, yeah, so it, it's a it's one of those like you forget about him for a couple of years because he's hurting, and all of a sudden it's
3: like, "Oh yeah, I remember." Yeah, and he was, was
0: good, and they okay, were, just,
3: uh, we're <laughs> like, Yeah, exactly. They were just trying to build that that program up too, right? So it was sort of like. I mean he 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 went somewhere and and popped and then got hurt and he wasn't really in the limelight anymore either when he, when he came back. Right. So yeah, I guess I guess that's just one that slips through the cracks sometimes.
1: Yeah, I'll say the nicest thing I can say about where the Tigers are right now is I see so many of their young high-end pitchers uh collectively interact with each other and all of them are very dedicated and knowledgeable about pitch design, about advanced tech, about working out in new age ways. And thank God, uh, because, you know, it's, I think we talk a lot about hitters, about optimizing hitters. We've had this discussion many times. Well, what I just mentioned about pitchers, that's that's how they optimize pitchers. So when we saw Tarek Skubel throw, 100 point what he's 100.7 the other day he, yeah, he was at he was at line when he did it so uh that's not a bad thing so it kind of
0: reminds you like that that camaraderie that you're seeing with with manning and scoobel and mize and, and that
1: fate too. too
0: yep yep it kind of reminds me of like you know you remember back in 2011 2012 like how close-knit the rotation felt You know, like Verlander and Scherzer and Pfister and Porcello and Sanchez, they were all friends, you know? Like, they were always the one taking pictures together after playoff wins. Yeah. Like, that that picture of them with all their goggles on sticks in my memory like it was yesterday, and that's been eight years or whatever now. But, yeah, like, it kind of reminds you of that, like, okay, well, the the likelihood that the four guys in the minors right now all end up being solid major league starting pitchers is low. But at the same time, it kind of reminds you, like, maybe this is the next core maybe this is that next like buddy buddy they're all really actually best friends off the field too rotation that that we were so spoiled by for a couple of years
1: yeah, yeah we can hope i mean all mm-hmm. i'll say all i'll say as a cautionary tale is look the last two big high ranking major league prospect laden farm systems of teams on the on the come up atlanta which worked out not not bad for Atlanta. Let's let's be honest. It it worked out pretty well and having Akuna come late and be at the head of that class really took them from being pretty good to being much more special. Mm-hmm. And the the other one that hasn't really worked out at all yet is the Padres. The Padres have been touted for three years now and they were still waiting and they've actually had some guys do a few things. They, they dealt Urias paddock has been good. You know, they got some other players still yet to come, but you know, the hardest thing to do is go from having a, a high prospect ranking to being a good baseball team. And it's hard, it's hard enough when you have a good front office, but when you have a front office that has got a, a legacy of, not really doing a lot of shrewd things, you know. You wonder, you know. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of luck involved. And in there, look, yeah. I, I think Brian, you you would back this up. Looking at as many young players as you do, luck has a lot to do with it. it there's oh, yeah. a lot. There's a huge luck factor here that. I don't think we discuss enough. You know, you get injuries or maturity issues or you get yep. drafted by the wrong team or the right team. OK, how, how helpful was it that Gavin Lux got drafted by the Dodgers as opposed to another team? So right. um, there's a lot of factors that go into being a good baseball team when you depend on prospects to show you the way. And, you know, we're going to have to find out if the Tigers are able to, you know, help make that transition from hoarding prospects to being a good baseball team. We'll find out.
2: Yeah.
0: No
3: question. Yeah. And I mean, in general, I love the idea of bringing up the pitchers and, you know, where you're going to spend, you spend on the bats because you don't have the injury risk tied up in the money, but that also plays out in reverse in the minors where, you know, you have to, you have to really hope some of this comes together because it, it could all just unravel really fast. So But we'll hope that's not the case.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, look, at some point in time, you know, once we're done talking about the draft, I'd love to have a discussion with you guys about who you think will get taxi squatted, how it helps or doesn't help them, and if they do play. Because I'm I'm not sure they're going to play this year. I mean, the next time we might see a lot of these guys is in the Arizona Fall League. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But, yeah, Yeah. you know, it'll be interesting.
3: Yeah. I mean, so just to kick it right off, I mean, uh, Brian, the, the Tigers are gonna take Spencer Torkelson, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: yeah, it feels that way. Yeah. You know, I I've heard from a from a couple of people that like you know, and, and there's been some stuff out there about potentially Lacey, um, as far as in other mock drafts and, and you know, kicking around that idea and like I've heard some stuff about the the Tigers themselves at the highest like the higher levels of their scouting department, some guys preferring Lacey um i don't think that they will take anybody but torkelson there but yeah like it's it's more like reasonable smoke than it was with joey bart a couple years ago um that was just like i, I don't know how much we could swear on this that was just bullshit like from the start um <laughs> oh you can like, swear all yeah, you want this, to man <laughs> go ahead <laughs> that, yeah that was just that was just bullshit like you know smoke crap from the start yeah. um but like yeah with the. With, uh, with Lacey, I guess it's, it's a little bit more real smoke, but I don't think it's like, I, yeah, they're going to take the Torvalds I think.
3: Yeah. I mean, there's some little things like obviously, you know, Lacey's the Tigers like sec performers and, and Lacey is that guy, but I, yeah, it's just really hard to see, hard to see them going that way. Even though we're all kind of sitting here like, yep, we're about to take a first baseman at one, (laughs) one, but I mean, he's a heck of a first baseman, you know, there's no argument, but
0: yeah, Yeah. dude bangs, man. He bangs. (laughs) Yep.
1: I think, I've said this in, in our pre-show talk. Bottom line is, just don't fuck it up. Don't overthink right. it. Don't, you know, look where, look where your team's at. Look where you are, you know, in, in this team build. Look what's out there. How they could come to any other conclusion besides taking Spencer Torkelson is kind of frightening to me that they would, you know, have... I mean, I'm sure you're considered other players, but, you know, this this is a layup to yeah. me from where they're at and what they need. You know, you can – I've heard a lot of comparisons to the guy. I mean, I, 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 read, I, I shared one with you guys last night. There was a guy that wrote a really pretty high-end draft analysis with a lot of data in it, and, and he called him best college bat since Chris Bryant, and I, I didn't necessarily disagree with that.
0: And no, that's, that's the offensive upside. It's just like, you know, he doesn't play third base. That's the yeah. difference.
1: And you yeah. know what? Nobody's complaining when Miguel Caprera and, you know, Goldschmidt are are, you know, raking borderline MVP caliber hitting. They, no one's no one gets mad that they play first base when they're raking like that. That's my point. So right. yeah. you got a guy that hits thirty dongs and walks ninety to hundred times, shut up and pencil his name in there hitting four hole and let's try to find the other seven guys to play in the field. Okay. Right. So right. It, it, let's go. Oh, I mean, let's stop overthinking it. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, you're I- not filling the spot at first
0: base. You're filling the spot in the three hole.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: that's how you got to look at it. You know, like, it, it, don't worry about the number three written down after his name. Worry about the number three written down before his name on the lineup card. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's what it is.
1: Yeah. And, and we'll talk, we'll talk about this a little bit when we start talking about round two, three, and four. But, you know, my attitude is look, you know, we talked to a lot of people. One of our favorite guys, Harris Frommer, has been on this bandwagon for a really long time. You know, a lot of people think that Torkelson can play uh, a corner outfield position. I'm not necessarily one of them. I think he's an athletic first baseman. But I, would I stick him in left field in the Arizona Fall League for a few games? Would I try him, out, try him out there in spring training in 2021? Heck yeah. What if he can yeah. play an adequate? He can't be worse than Christian Stewart. I mean, yeah. My my. Point the only is, thing
0: for me with that, yeah. Go or go ahead. Go ahead.
1: What I was going to say is because, you know, for me when I do analysis of this particular draft, I thought there's some pretty interesting mashers that are going to be either DHs or first baseman and. You know, so you take a guy like that, and all of a sudden, if he can't play left field, because he's gonna he's gonna play in the he's a good chance he could play in the major leagues, you know, by All-Star break next year. I mean, I'm just and if he can't play left field, great. It 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 helps him. It, It helps us because you may maybe Brian Packard, maybe a guy you draft this year. You know, who knows. Who can play first base? It just makes your lineup better.
3: For me, I wouldn't even bother though. Like if it comes to it where there's some opportunity to get a first baseman or yeah, Bryant Packard is just wailing the ball and you're like, hey, that's the only place we can stick him. I mean you can try it then, but I'm just not sure if I'd even bother messing with him right now. But I'll I'll leave that to Brian's expertise.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm like my only issue is like as long as you're not in any way, shape, or form hindering the the ascent of the bat, then yeah, go ahead. Play with it. See so if you can play left. Yeah, but like if you're doing that at the cost of like you know six months of him in the major leagues or a half a season. If you're doing that at the cost of of a year or etc. You, etc. Cetera, et cetera, you're doing that at the cost of like taking anything away from from developing the bat continuously. Then then don't do it. Just stick him at first base and let him rake. But you know, like, like I said, man, if you're not taking anything away from it, then sure, like I, there's no harm in seeing if the dude can play left field. I, I've seen some people think he can play second base. Like I think that's absurd, but that you know that kind of gives you the the idea that he's not just a, a like a you know stocky, sturdy Miguel Cabrera first baseman type. Like it's a he's a he's a decent athlete. Uh, it, it, he's a good athlete for a guy of his you know, yeah. physicality. Um, he lo- you know he looks like a like a running back. Yeah, like, he doesn't look like uh, you know a, a lineman. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. he, it's ch- it's a chiseled frame. He's not he's not six four two forty. He's six two you know two twenty. But it's like just rock.
2: You know, so <laughs> yeah.
3: It, <laughs> and I mean the Tigers have had JD Martinez and uh, Nick Castellanos at right field, so you know <laughs> yeah. we've seen that show too. Yeah, they've proven to me they don't really give that much of a shit. <laughs> yeah. So like you know like yeah, throw them out there. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, just real quick, because I was kind of more on the Austin Martin train and and that seems mm-hmm. to have, have passed. But, um, you know, I mean, there's concerns about position and some of that, but there's no concerns about like hit tool at all. And I guess what it comes down to is power. Uh, I mean, do, do you have kind of a, an estimate for yourself? Of, of I mean, is, is there a chance he's going to be able to develop, you know, 55, 60 power as he goes along, anything like that? Or even, even 50 would be probably be fine with that hit tool.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that, uh, and we're, you know, we still have Martin one on our board. Yeah. (laughs) You know, just to like, for the sake of just throwing that out there. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm just a gigantic believer in his hit tool and his instincts and his athleticism. And like, I know that there's some concerns about the arm in terms of like the strength of it, the consistency of it, et cetera, et cetera. I, I understand those concerns. I saw those concerns in high school. Um, but at the same time, man, it's like the dude can play third. He can play second. He can play center. And I don't really care where you prefer him at. Um, you know, it could be one of those dudes like a like a Ben Zobrist with a better hit tool who can play. who can start six games in a week, and you know, four of them in different spots. And, and there's inherent value to that, not just because of the ability to do that, but to the ability to do that well at all of those places.
2: Yeah. Um, and, and you know, but, it's
0: not it's not it's not Don Kelly playing third base. <laughs> you, you know, like it's because because Leland put him there it's you know martin's playing third today and second tomorrow and center tomorrow because he's, he's good in all of those spots i think that that 50 game power is probably the likeliest outcome i think he'll hit a ton of doubles and, and might be able to get to 15 to 18 home runs um yeah i mean like i, I just and i'll be wrong you know like that's part of this job man we're wrong all the damn time i, I just i you know we're I'm just buying the the versatility and the like several phase attack of value from, from Martin he, he, a little bit. Yeah, is
1: he a 55? you see a 55 runner or a 60 runner?
0: Six, yeah, he's, he's a plus runner. And it's, the instincts, man, like that's what stands out the most for me. It's like even when you're not looking at the stopwatch, you know, like even when you're not seeing that he ran four one three or four one seven to first or whatever the hell it was, like. It's it's just it's one of those things where like by the time you look up to see where the ball went, he's on his way to it. It's by the time you realize that he's stealing, he's five steps a second. Yeah, it's like just the the even aside from the twitch, even aside from the athleticism, like I'm just such a believer in his instinctual ability, and I think that that allows his speed to play up.
3: Yeah, I like him. <laughs> I like him quite a bit, but I'm you know I've made my peace with it. Either way, it's, it's all right.
2: So, yeah,
0: I mean,
3: I think they should take Torkelson, you know, but like, you know,
0: <laughs> I feel like I don't want to get that out there, too. But, you know, just et cetera, et cetera.
3: Yeah. Yep. And yeah, there's no science here. We're just uh, just. Yep. You could go either way, probably. And yeah, for where the Tigers are at, I can I can definitely see the uh, especially because they've had so little success developing any hitters or, or drafting guys that they could develop. Um, Just just take that yeah. monster bat, stick it in the lineup and call it good. I understand.
1: <laughs> yep. So, yep. You know, not that we need to waste a lot of time on this because I really could care less what the Orioles do and how cute they want to get with this. But, you know, you got you guys got some, you know, Brian got any scuttlebutt, you know, what they're going to do it two, and maybe how the, you know, the next three, four. You know, I've seen Hancock falling down to five or six now, and it's. You know things move around a lot. It's 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 a fashion show, and you're you're going to get movement like this. But there's a lot of good players in the top ten this year. So, what what do you think? How do you think this shakes out?
0: I'm actually like more fascinated by the Marlins at three. Um, I could be wrong. Elias and the Orioles like that kind of his regimes are known for blowing smoke. Like, it's known in the industry that, like, if you hear a rumor about an Elias team, it's like, okay, well, we'll see. The Yankees do that a lot, too, for example. Mm. But it's like a – I don't know. I I believe the Marlins have a better chance of being weird than the Orioles. Not to say that the Orioles won't. Um, But regardless of who the Orioles take, whether that – say it's either Martin or or Lacey, I think at three it's got a chance to get weird. Like, I've heard Veen there under slot. I've heard Crochet there under slot. And quite frankly, if you, if you just look at the stuff in the vacuum, crochet stuff might be better than laces. It but good, yeah. as far as, you know, as, as far as like just the underslot stuff, there's some wild shit going around, man. Like teams, if, if teams don't have a deal done by the draft, they're just going to punt on some pools and just lose them uh, because of the financial, you know, the fake financial panic that teams have. Yeah. Um, you know, rebel against the establishment. See, especially.
1: I don't, I don't yeah. think that's happening at all because you only got to give a guy a hundred grand up front, and then you're, you know, then you get to spread it out over the next two years. So I don't think anybody's punting anything. Okay, it's it's you, you you'd have to have lost your mind when you can when you're only obligated to pay a guy a hundred grand up front to punt any part of your pool. So
0: and, and by punt
1: I mean like you know, Landon Knapp goes at
0: twenty, like shit like that. Where yeah. it's not like we're not going to take a pick here, but rather than take a guy, we have to pay two mil. We're going to take a guy we'd like, but only have to get 50 grand to, you know, um, so we'll I see.
1: I pray yeah. that happens because if I'm the Detroit Tigers, I'd be burning as much of my pool and my next two picks. If that happened as I possibly could, who gives a rat's ass. What happens, you know, third, fourth and fifth round, you got two picks, you know, coming up after this first one, if, there, if it's a money thing, I'd be blowing up my money. I'd be trying to get the best damn players I could.
3: Well, and that's the thing, like, Brian, so, do you think, um, I mean, that all kind of comes down to, I mean, if the Tigers go ham in the, you know, in the second in the comp round and really, you know, throw all their pool money at those, it's going to be because they decided to pick up a couple of these high school guys. And I have kind of heard that more teams are kind of shying away from that outside of maybe like the top 20 or 30 prep players, like, it's going to be all college after that. I mean, I've heard that from credible people, too. It's just really hard to kind of know. This seems like a very dis- disinformation-heavy draft right now. And who knows? Maybe it'll all just kind of come out like people's boards at the, in the end. You know, you never know.
0: So we we have a, a – I'm in a group chat with several scouts from different teams. And we currently have the over-under for high school players drafted at, like, 22 and a half. Yeah. Um, just it's like a, it's, what, you know, what's normal? Oh, man I had those stats. But like in a 40 round draft like it's it's you know a lot. That yeah. it's uh, oh, man I wish I I'll I'll find the text where we did but, it, where we so ran the many, numbers. Of those yeah.
1: 22 how many you think signed?
0: Well that I guess that's what we were saying. 22 kids drafted and signed. Um which you know look look at it man. Like you got guys like Dylan Cruz pulling out of the draft because who knows. And that's like you know a, a top 10 high school kid or top 12 high school kid in this class, something like that. And obviously that's happened before rocker and lighter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's different this year. It's not like, Oh, well, we're just going to go to school because no one wants to give me 7 million. It's more like, eh, eh, next year might be better. Three years down the road might be better. I'm just going to go to college. Um, There's more of that dynamic because of the uncertainty. So yeah, I don't think there's going to be, you know, after you, after you get through the, the upper echelon of prep players, um, and that could be over quickly after the, the first comp round, then you're just looking at guys who will sign. And, and, like, I don't know how many high school kids after that upper echelon are going to be like, yeah, I'll take 300 grand. Right. Or, yeah. I'll t-. It's not many, is my point. You know, so it, it, it's going to be, there's going to be some wild stuff, man. This draft's going to be obviously different than any other one. Um, there's, there's a chance that I don't know anything about it. You know, like, it, it could get that weird. <laughs> I hope not. But, you know, I don't know, man. Well, even some little, some, even some
3: little things like, sorry, Mark, but a guy like Nick, Nick Bitsco, Like, you know, I, hadn't, I don't even remember hearing about him until like, you know, two months ago. And all of a sudden he's a, he's a first rounder on a lot of people's boards. And I was just kind of like, whoa. Yeah. I don't know. It seems yeah. like there's a lot of people popping. Uh, yeah. And he, he popped because of the reclass. Um,
0: he was a twenty twenty one for his whole high school career until relatively recently when he reclassed to 2020. Ah. Uh, uh, before the shutdown. So that's why Yeah, okay. he was a he's like was like a top five in the class 2021 high school kid um, who then reclassified. And then all of a sudden you're, you're stacking him up with Abel and, and Kelly and Dax Fulton, a healthy Dax Fulton. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So so I think it, in my my gut says that, like, he didn't reclassify just to not sign. But that but he reclassified before the shutdown, before the draft got shortened, before all that stuff happened. So now it's it's the word is coming out that like he is signable, but like not just because like he's he's more than comfortable to go to Virginia now, which would be like a yeah like Vassell and Savino and him. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but yeah. So it, it's a I don't know, man. He's a guy that I think is is anywhere from he could be the first prep arm taken, uh, and he could go to school. I I, I don't know. I don't know what that got. No one saw him this spring. He didn't pitch. I think he was able to, like, throw a bullpen for scouts right before the shutdown. Um, the, the track data that he's put together coming out that he sent the teams in sense in bullpen settings is, is really loud. And scouts got a good look at him last summer. He pitched at East Coast Pro as an underclassman. So there is some track record there. And and he's viewed as, as being one of one of, if not the highest upside prep arms available. But there is some uncertainty there. Yeah. And, how,
1: and how well, how well did he perform in tournaments last year? I mean, would he was was command wise? Was he dominant? Yeah.
0: He was unreal. East Coast Pro. Yeah, like I've seen him for years. He he was in our 14U festival game, you know, many years ago. He's a guy who's been who's been high up PG ranking since he was 14. Um, so I've seen him a bunch, and he, like a lot of kids, didn't throw a ton of strikes growing up. He was the whole baby deer, you know. He was six four before a lot of other people and didn't know how to control the body, but. As he became more physical, and you could see that physicality coming into last summer, then the strikes started to come. Like the stability and the delivery was better, and he was able to repeat better. And then at East Coast Pro, he's ninety three, ninety six with plus curve one shoved against kids older than him for three innings. So you know, like that yeah. was that was obviously a, a positive thing. I remember tweeting or something like, man, like, I think I texted uh, Jeremy or Vinny or someone from PG and said like, man, I wish this kid was in this class. Wow, man. And then fast forward. Yeah.
1: quality of this draft the more more i have you know the deeper i've dived on i mean this is this seems like i mean you never know but it seems like it's a this is a really really especially for the first 30 35 players this is a very good draft i mean it's unusually good
0: yeah yeah it's it's the we talk about it kind of ad nauseum, but the the college pitching is the strength of the class, and it's an absurdly strong one. Um, You know, you're talking about guys who in different years, like Jared Schuster and and Bryce Jarvis and Ian Seymour and and these guys who have kind of risen up and Nick Swinney, um, the risers this spring, Clayton Beater's another one. These guys are all like, you know, mid-back half, maybe comp, maybe early second type of players this year. In years past, like, some of those guys were, you know, top one two three type of college player college arms
1: how about so, pre- and prep bats are there's some yeah. really good prep bats holy smokes
0: it's a weird little niche of how like the prep class's strength is left-handed hitting outfielders
2: you know like it's <laughs> kind
0: of just a weird and it's it's not that it hasn't been that way um you know Hendrick's been a guy who's been really high up for a long time and PCA is a guy who's been really high up for for quite a while dating back and but like guys like V, who who kind of came out of nowhere in the last year, um, guys like Hassel, who who have really grown up and, and gotten stronger and, and really developed, and and Soderstrom's another one who who he might be the best hitting. He <laughs> Dude, might have the best I, hit tool of them. You know, I, I watched him
1: take swings the other day, and it's you know it's watching kids take swings sometimes is can be very misleading because it's not in a game situation. You're not getting mm-hmm. sequenced. It's. But I watched him. I watched him swing the other day and I was like, damn. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Holy smokes, man. That that kid, that was a beautiful looking swing. And that was doing some damage with those swings. So, you know, there's and he's you know, he's a kid that's going to go what between 15 and 25. Right.
2: Yeah, Uh, yeah,
0: and it's kind of the the beauty is kind of in the eye of the beholder this year as far as the prep outfielders. Um, You know, we have them lined up a certain way. I think Veen has kind of established himself as at the top, but after that, it's like, is it Hendrick? Is it Hassel? Is it Soderstrom? Is it PCA? You you know, I think any of those four, depending on who you talk to, is the number two guy. Uh, I think for most people, it's probably Hassel right now. But you know, with that being said, like it's there's a lot. I think Soderstrom's got a chance to go higher than where you mentioned. I think. Yeah. Hassel's got a chance to go in the top ten. I think Hendrick and Veen do too. PCA is the guy I think will be. will wait around a little bit longer of those groups, but I expect him off the board in the top twenty-five picks. Um, so we'll see, man. It's a really, really interesting class, as you said, with the with the prep bats.
3: Yeah, I was really hoping one of those guys might might slide down eventually, but it's going the other way. Yeah. <laughs> see, <laughs> weird. You, know,
1: you know you know what. Guys, I, I actually—it wouldn't shock me if there's one guy at 38 that you know had fallen. That you have to throw money at or something. There's always signability things that we don't really ever know the truth about, or there's weird things that happen. But, but I will say that, holy smokes, the first 20, 25 picks this year—you, I mean, you're, you're getting some guys between 15 and 25. They're really, really interesting players. Far more interesting than normal. You know, so you know, my, my question starts becoming if if you're setting up a draft board and you're doing the new the new word that I truly loved when I started reading how people do this is called modeling. I'm sure you've heard mm-hmm. this a lot, Brian. Modeling is it's the big new buzzword about setting up your draft board. And mm-hmm. if you're if you're the Tigers and you have a legacy of fuckery that's just <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: that should be the name of the podcast, right? Yeah, yes. yeah. The legacy of fuckery. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, you're you're going to have a pretty decent amount of kids to choose from for your next two picks that are pretty. You're going to have to have some nuance, but so you know, look. Obviously, we've heard that they would like to get a middle infielder if they could. From what everybody has told me, including you, the depth of the of pitching in this class, and I, I want to touch on that for a second, and at least try to bring the listeners the parallel about depth of pitching in this draft. But you know, how do you how do you go, or do you try to basically assess it when you get to thirty eight? Then you'll have to decide. What, what makes the most sense because there are going to be some, there might be some arms that you just can't pass up at 38.
0: A, a good thing. I think in just this sense of the tiger's picks is that they're going to have the whole fucking night. Cause the, the first round ends at 37 or day one ends at 37. Right. So they're going to have the whole fucking night and the whole rest of the next day to, to figure out who they want at 38. So you know, they'll know who's available and then they'll have their pick and, and et cetera, et cetera. They're not going to have to decide on the fly, you know, That's a good
3: point. See, people, that's why you listen to our podcast, because
1: we get people that bring insight like that. That is a a brilliant point to bring out. Now,
3: crucial structural point to this draft. It it, it is. And, you know, hopefully
1: it helps them them draft better in round two than they have in years past. Uh, If it was a really smart team. It would be a huge advantage, but you know we can only cross our fingers that that something happens here. But you know, looking at these, you know, there's quite a few shortstops that might be available at at this pick at 38, and mm-hmm. I, I guess their next pick, Brandon, is where 38
3: and 60, 62, 62, right? yeah. Well, well, let's talk about that shortstop. Let's talk about that shortstop group a little bit because there is kind of a cluster of of pretty interesting shortstops there. Um, you know, whether you're looking at, yeah, Mason Wynn or if we get, you know, Lucky and Nick Lofton falls, you got Freddie Zamora if you if you like him there. There's there's quite a few guys. Um, West,
1: Westberg. Yeah. Kyle, I think I'll... it's too early for Kyle, right, Brian?
0: So... Um, we, we have called like in the three hundreds on our board, so I'm not even
2: oh, okay. like,
0: thinking okay. about him okay. this year. Yeah. Um, that he's How about got Sur- tools. I've How seen about him Survi- play. Yeah. I, I think 38 might be a touch high, but if you get that dude at 62, you should be jumping for joy. Yeah. Um, I, I like him. That's and, and, I was like, hoping. Yeah, He's, he's an interesting one in that. I think if he'd played the whole year, we'd be talking about him way higher than we are. Uh, Because he was doing stuff at the beginning of this year that he'd never done before. Like, he played second base uh, because Greg Kessinger was there. You know, he was fine in the – or he was really good in the Cal Ripken League after his freshman year. And then he was good on the Cape after his sophomore year. But coming into this year, it was like a kind of a slappy, speedy, undersized second baseman type, et cetera, et cetera. He's athletic and he's a good player. But um, now it's like this dude can play short and he's hitting for power. Swing change guy, right? Yeah, you know, and he got stronger and that's a part of it. And
3: well, and I right think can't, it's,
0: can't. their hitting coach does an incredible job there, um, Mike Clement. But as far as like, you know, and, and we've seen Cooper Johnson hit in the pros, like, you know, he, he turned Cooper Johnson into a solid college hitter. Um but anyways, like it's I don't and this I wanna get this out there too, I, I don't think that like the Tigers are targeting shortstops at thirty eight, like that's bullshit. They don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think I, I don't know. Like I, that, that to me screams fake rumor, you know, screams to me like, like, like I said, bullshit. Um, and that's not to say that they won't take a shortstop. That's not to say they don't think, hey, man, maybe these guys are going to be available for us and let's go on the board. But to say like the approach at their second pick, which is 38, is to, to like take a college shortstop. Like, I don't think that that's like a thing that they would have decided that in any way could have been leaked for us to hear it. Yeah.
3: We just so want that. It just doesn't make sense to me.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. We,
3: we want just, there to be a good shortstop available for us to yeah, take. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Absolutely.
1: But, but at if, if 38 in a draft this deep, you should be doing, you should be BPA, right? No doubt. Absolutely. Best, best player available
0: because you're. And I'll tell you what, I'll give you a treat because you guys are my friends. We released 160 pick mock draft today. That perfect game. Um, it is behind a paywall for most of it. However, since you guys are my friends, I'd be more than willing to take you through every pick we made for the Tigers. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> <So> let's, <laughs> l- let's, let's, let's
1: hear it. And you know so, what? We'll compare them to what Chris Brown has. <laughs>
0: so, so our Cause... scouting director made the picks for the Tigers. I recused myself. Um, <laughs> we did this with the idea of... Um, Let's make it kind of realistic. You know, you can't just take the six best players. You got to like operate like you have to sign guys. And and we made the 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 scouts who took you know prep players early. We said, hey, it's the fifth round. You have three high school players. You have to take a senior. You know, we tried to do it with some level of realism. Yeah. Uh, and Jared, you know, my scouting director, my boss, he and I, and and I think Mark uh, share similar ideas as far as like how to build it. You know. Mm-hmm. So he took he took Torque at one, obviously, and then at thirty eight, like his pick was coming up. It was like pick thirty six or whatever. And he texted me and he goes, I think you're gonna like what I do here and I go, like, yeah. okay, <laughs> I'm like looking at the board and I'm like like okay, I wonder who this is gonna be. Like, you know, Lofton wasn't there. Um Lofton went to thirty seven actually. Uh-huh. But so he co- he comes on and goes, We're taking Austin Wells. I don't care where he plays. They can <laughs> oh both. my god, Austin <laughs> Wells was, yeah. third, was available at thirty eight yeah, and I don't know if that's all that likely, but I did like where he's like, you know what? I don't care. yeah, I don't care if they're both first basemen.
3: One of them can dh. They both smash. You know? <laughs> I
0: love that bat.
3: Yeah, I love the swing, oh man. yeah, that'd be nice. and to to be honest
0: with you, you guys, and we talked to, you know quite a bit earlier about torque, you know, potentially moving to left field if if the draft for whatever reason were to play out where they take torque and wells. I think Wells is a better candidate to go to left field. So that really? that could be interesting, too. Yeah, he's a really good athlete, dude. He just, you know, he doesn't throw. So that's kind of the problem behind the plate. Um, but, yeah, he's a good athlete. It's like Torkelson where it's like that physical body, but he's more bouncy and twitchy than you think he is. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, look, since the
1: two of you are on my friends, I think it's no big secret that Mark Gorash is a pretty big fan of of Wells of Austin Wells. And if we were, (laughs) if we were able to draft them, I think my 64 year olds body would probably lay down on the carpet here in the man's room and (laughs) snow angels. So (laughs) I, I, I I, I might, I might black out for a second and not even know who we drafted with the next four picks after getting those first, those those two guys with the first two picks. So uh, (laughs) I'm not, I'm not lying. So, I mean, basically two guys that, shouldn't be you know that probably won't be using a glove is their pri- their primary part of being on the baseball field but i will tell you uh wouldn't want to be three years from now trying to navigate that order with those two guys probably swinging back to back in the lineup because those two boys
0: riley were... green there too yeah, yeah you know yeah
1: man, yeah that's, so uh,
0: you know it's a machine <laughs> right like so... i love man he sent that pick in and i was like hell yes yes let's smash you know, <laughs> you
3: know mm-hmm. that would make me very happy. Yep.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, hey, listen, I, I, I fully into, I'm on board with that. Yeah. Okay, let's, let's go. Tell me so what, what came after that. Yeah.
0: Uh, then at pick 62, uh, he went with Jeff Criswell, the, the starter from Michigan. Oh, yeah. um, you know, again, with some some kind of, you know, the Tigers do like taking local players and Chris Brown obviously highlights that every year when he does that, uh, the ridiculous mock. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, there are trends there, and and he lines up in terms of, like, that's kind of where we have him on our board. Uh, he's a Michigan guy. He's a big, physical, hard-throwing right-hander, and I know he's not in the SEC, but that's still very much the Tiger's mold. And, uh, you know, there's some reliever risk there, but at 62, if you can get a guy with that stuff who has a chance to start, like, I would see that as a really good pick. Hey, he's got he's
1: got premium stuff, man. I don't, I don't. He's pitch. got shit, there's, Yeah, yeah. There, there's, there's no arguing there. I mean, and it's yeah. not, and it's not straight. He, he. I could, you know, I, I probably it's one pick before I would, you know, without getting too technical. I mean, if I thought we could get him with our next pick after that, I would really be excited about that. But
3: it all Chris depends Will's, who's. Yeah, Chris is a legit is a legit arm. No, no doubt about it. Yeah, all depends who else is yeah. there. Obviously, yeah.
0: Right, right. Um, then at seventy three, which is their next pick, the first one in the third round, he uh, doubled down on the arms. Took Christian Roa from Texas A and M, who is the Saturday starter behind Lacey, obviously in that rotation. Um, a guy who had a weird, weird like stat line this year. Like he struck out a ton of guys, and yet still, you know, had a high ERA. Um, the analytics love him as far as like the, the spin metrics and stuff. I, I didn't see him this spring. I saw him last spring as a sophomore. It's interesting man. It's a grip, it's a really good body. It's kind of it's a pretty easy operation. It's really easy smoke out of the hand. Um, I like the slider. I again didn't see him this year. I, I think that's a guy who might go higher than that given the, the analytic proclivity there that might push him up. but if you know right now the way that those first four picks going like if that if that were to come out, I'd be like weeping. On Twitter, like I'd live stream myself
3: crying.
2: Yeah,
3: Yeah. that sounds fantastic to me. Yeah, and there's such a there's a you know such a wide range of opinion um, sometimes on on Roa in particular. You know, like I've seen him in the the compa. You know, I've seen him in a couple different high spots like that.
0: Absolutely, Uh, there's a chance he's he goes there. Uh, You know, it's it's a it's a different type of dynamic there with him.
1: Yeah. So. I'll toss this out here because, but then I want to I want to get back to what seems to be a very interesting mock draft, perfect uh, <laughs> game for the Tigers. But
3: I'm about ready to uh, hire that guy for the Tigers draft. for sure. <laughs> Can I get if that? We're, if we're going to start talking about who's down there at 72,
1: I think I asked you quite a bit about this guy, Bry, because he's, he 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 felt like a poor man's granky uh, to me. And he's been, you know, from the Franklin Perez School of Health, but I'm mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm a I'm a fan of Kevin Abel. It, uh, it's yeah. pick yeah. seventy-two, so it, he's
0: and he's, he's back throwing. He's he, he's back on the mound. Yeah, he,
1: he he's there's a lot to like about Kevin Abel. Not I mean, you know, there's a guy that throws ninety, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So Mark Gorash normally not too fond of guys that throw ninety, unless. And, and that's what you're telling me what his slider is at, but um,
2: right.
1: <laughs> he got a really good change, pretty decent, you know, breaking ball, you know, really good command and crafty is, crafty as Hendricks. I mean, he's, there's a lot to be said about a guy like that. And You'd like yeah. to think that as he gets healthier and better conditioned and if he can stay healthy, he might add, a, you know, one or two ticks on his fastball, which It's probably a good thing, but that—that's the kind of guy at at 72 that intrigues me. Now he hasn't been healthy for a year plus, but Mm -hmm. you don't—you don't don't throw like he did in the college World Series as a freshman, accidentally. Yeah, you know how many freshmen that only throw 90 can dominate in the college World Series? There's a lot of moxie going on there, man. So I'll tell you
0: a story about him as as a prep. Um, the first time I saw him was, it would have been like at the end of his sophomore year or like, you know, he had just finished his sophomore year, high school, um, came to a showcase, really skinny 16 year old kid. And he was 82, 84, like 82, 85. But it was like an unbelievable breaking ball and an unbelievable, like screwball. It wasn't a change. It was like a screwball, like that type of action. And that dude shoved every single time I saw him, and he never broke 90. Huh. Never. Like, even when, you know, as he was growing up and maturing and starting to fill out, he would still come in and pitch at, at 87, 89, or 86, 89, and just holy dominate. You know, you know strut you, off the mound.
2: Well, <laughs> you, you know, of the two
1: of you, I, I, I would say this. You know, there are there is a rare breed of pitcher that is – is very savant-like in thought and pitch mix. And, it's, and most of these guys have great change-ups, and they almost pitch off their change-up. And it, it almost doesn't matter how hard, how fast their fastball is because hitters are so confused at the plate <laughs> <laughs> because mm-hmm. they can never figure out what's coming. The location on top of it dominates them, and 90 when you're pitching off a really good changeup like that and you have the command 90 with your fastball at that point feels like 98 and you're just always tied up by the fastball there because you're never expecting it. It's always in a good spot. It's so often under your hands or off the plate away up at the top of the zone. And that's, that's him. It's, it's one of the very few guys that velocity just, it doesn't dissuade you from having genuine interest in him because right. he's just so deceptive and, and calculating would be the way I would. He's, right. he's really an interesting, if he's healthy, that's a really interesting guy for me. Yeah, no, it's a, I
0: would be really
1: interested there
0: personally. I, I don't know if that's a guy who, who wants to sign or you know go back to college and prove he's that guy and go in the first round next year um i know he posted a, a video on twitter of him throwing like full effort in a bullpen like off the mound um you know I, i'd have to look back i think it was like 88 92 with the fastball but but similar he looks stronger i would hope after a year of rehabbing he looks stronger and he does um yeah it, it's a it's a really interesting upside play if you can get him there. I just I don't know if that's a guy who would sign there when he has the the ability to come back and play on a potential national championship team and, and go in the first it's, round.
1: It's yeah. got to be a tough. It's got to be a tough decision for him. Really tough.
0: Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. And ironically, though, both from Oregon, uh, Kevin Abel and Mick Abel are not related.
2: Yeah. So. That so what is so the fact. The last, the last two
0: picks, what what, what the, said, or the la- yeah, uh, last yeah. So at 102, I believe this was a redraft uh, from Chris Browns. Is the, They took Ricky Tiedemann, the prep lefty from Southern California. Um, really like a projection guy, but he's super young. He's young for the class. Uh, he won't be 18 yet at, at the draft. Um, really like super athletic, projectable lefty who does it pretty easy. Uh, it's, it's, you know, an 87, 92 guy right now, but the changeup's really good. Um, the slider kind of flashes average. He reminds me a little bit of Drew Smiley, uh, just as far as the Tigers callback. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I, don't know that feels like a guy that, that, you know, as far as like in reality, would the Tigers be able to take all these guys and sign them? I don't know, but I think that's a, you know, if you're looking for projection, ta- projection high school guys, a little bit further down the board. That's a guy that we have ranked higher than where Jared picked him. Like, for example,
1: and who was the last guy?
0: Oh, let's see here. Uh, scroll, scroll, scroll. Uh, John McMillan, redraft baby senior.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Gotta save the well, cash like there that. at the end. Yeah.
0: It's a guy that drafted before. It's a guy whose profile they like, like it, it makes sense. Like it wouldn't actually surprise me in reality if their fifth round pick was John McMillan. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: All right, so
1: I, I went, I'm gonna. You're a perfect person to ask this, and I'm I'm very curious what your input is on this too, Brandon. So there there's a whole new genre of acumen that is gonna start happening, especially for this draft. But it's gonna start happening more often, even when they go to ten rounds. And that is now you're gonna have all these guys that you can sign for twenty thousand dollars. Right. Mm-hmm. And if it was me, I'd be trying to sign as many guys as I possibly could, because you're going to find a few guys. Uh, it's kind of like gold mining. Right. You're going to to put a lot of sand into the sifter and you're going to you're going to hit on a few. Yeah. But here's the question. What do you the the, the teams that are going to be successful at this have to have. Some type of program that's Mm -hmm. going to entice players to why they should sign with this team. And it can't be just all about opportunity, it has to be about player development. It has to be about who you're working with. It has to be about legacy. It has to be about lots of things.
3: It has to be about uh, their relatives somehow magically winning trucks and contests and stuff like that. Now I'm just playing. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> and you know what? I, I would likely
1: say that there will be a few bags of cash that <laughs> get mysteriously <laughs> left on people's back seats. Uh, and their car door was (laughs) open. I, I, I don't care what anybody wants to say about this. It's the nature of a business like this. When you're talking about $20,000, you know, to a team, 10 or 20,000 extra dollars for a guy they really want, you know, when how bride, I don't remember what the number was, but what, what's the sixth or seventh rounder in 2019? How much money did they get? How much Brandon, you know? What what did the like
0: between two and three? Yeah, somewhere on there. Yeah.
1: yeah. So 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 now you, you're, <laughs> you're two hundred twenty thousand dollars to the good every <laughs> pick after the fifth. You know, I, I, yeah. you know So mysteriously having twenty thousand dollars in cash uh, end up in uh, your glove compartment it doesn't seem like a stretch to me. Um, it's the American way, uh, <laughs> right? What what are the t- what are the Tigers? How are they gonna market themselves? you know, that makes kids want to come into this org for $20,000.
0: Well, I think something that's, and I had a discussion with a junior college coach about this today, just a couple hours ago. Um, I think one of the things that, that people aren't talking about in regards to the 20 grand is are those teams then also continuing to offer the cost of school.
2: Yeah,
1: and I
0: think I believe it's a team by team thing. I, I don't believe MLB is mandated one way or another. Um, oh, I, I, I think
1: I think if teams are doing it, it it'll it, you know for anybody that you know isn't just a total wild card. I think if, if if ten teams are doing it, thirty teams are doing it. So right, I
0: just and I'm like that's a starting point of where the Tigers need to be. Like, yes, I don't know if any how many other teams are doing this, but we are. Yeah. And I don't know if you're going to entice many high school players in that sense, but you may be able to, uh, and this again dips into my Juco obsession, where mm-hmm. you identify, like go identify 10 or 12 Juco kids who y- you think they have two tools that you like or some shit and offer them all 20 grand at school. And if you get three or four of them, then all of a sudden you're adding some interesting like athleticism and tools to, to a-, a player dev system that you're hoping is turning the corner. Um, and again, the, the likelihood of any of those guys working out is probably very low, but at the same time, like, you know, why would you not add tools to the system cheaply if you can? Uh, and I think Juco is going to be a market for that. I, I think that, um, there's going to be some college juniors who their, their colleges expected them to, to go in the, you know, rounds eight through 15 and sign, and they don't have a spot for them next year or something Yeah, that those. Kids, you have to target. Um, I, I don't think it's gonna. I think a lot of seniors are just gonna go back to school, right? because who cares? They're gonna get eight grand next year too. Uh, and if you can go back, if you can grad transfer somewhere and, and up your stock or have a nice time or go to Omaha or some shit, like get a master's degree on a scholarship or something. Like, I think there's gonna be. It, it, I don't think the twenty k is necessarily just going to be for to sign college seniors. I think they'll, they'll, a lot of those guys will go back, but it's the JUCO kids. It's the high school kids who really just don't want to go to school. Uh, it's the college juniors who are kind of being squeezed for spots on rosters. Like, those guys. Identify the ones who – it doesn't even have to be like, hey, we think this guy's going to be a roll 40. Like, does he have two tools he like? Yeah. You know, like, does he have power and can run? Mm. You know, like, can he throw from the outfield and, you know, run? Like, shit like that. Identify two tools that you like. And, it, and if they're – you think they're impactful – and you think there's a chance that you can teach him how to hit, or you think there's a chance you can make the guy into a shortstop, or you think there's a chance this dude can eventually be a, a up-and-down middle reliever at the big league level or something like that, sign him. all of those guys. As many of them as you can. And maybe one of them, even, even if one of them turns into a guy who accumulates two wins above replacement for his career,
3: it's a huge net win. Yeah. I, I think about, like, so the... Even, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say um, that, you know, I mean, this might be a place where, you know, the relationship building that a, that a, a traditional organization like the Tigers kind of prides itself on more than, say, the Astros or something like that would might might possibly be an advantage because you may have more of a line on like which kids just just would just love to just go play ball and screw and say, screw it. You might know who's you know, whose families are in a little bit harder straits, like to, to put it, you know, cruelly and bluntly, like all, all those sorts of um, all that sorts of intel that, that is gathered that way might might be an advantage. And I talked to Dan Hastie, um, the the voice of the West Michigan Whitecaps not too long ago, and he he was cracking me up because his scheme that I thought was pretty interesting was the idea of like collecting like a whole bunch of guys off from the same team. Like there's one guy on that team that we like. You know, what if you guys all kind of come with us, you know, and we'll send you all to camp right. and, and see what you got. And, you know, yeah, we just want this one guy, but you can, you know, you're all going to come play with your boys here. You know, we're going to develop all of you for at least a little bit. Um, I thought that was kind of an interesting play as well.
0: Yeah. If, if, you, if it costs you an extra 40 or 50 grand to get the guy that you actually want because his teammates are coming with him, then like, weren't you going to pay that dude 300 grand anyway? So like, again, still a net win there financially. Um, And I'm like the last person in the history of the world who would ever sympathize with with billionaire owners in their dire straits. But, you you know, like it's as far as like the realities of it, like the return on investment, like if if this is a kid that a Juco kid from wherever or or a a junior from from wherever and you planned on taking him maybe in the ninth round and giving him one hundred and fifty grand. Well, now give him 20 and give his boys each 20 and you're still making it for half and you're getting that guy anyway. Yeah, you know, like yeah, I'm with you. And you've got you to compete.
3: Creative. Yeah, and you're competing yes. with all the other teams in that. You know, you can't just pick them. So yeah, you got to recruit, man. Yeah, that's what guys, it is. Yeah, <laughs> these scouts, these scouts are going to have to turn into recruiting coordinators. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a yeah, that's a perfect perfect way to sum it up. Yeah, it's time to be some do some recruiting out there, kids. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yep. Brian, I, I just noticed there's a kid from Southfield High School that's going to Auburn, who's Longenhagen has ranked as the 103rd best player. Give, give me give me two seconds about that since we're local. You Werner know, Blakely, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, really, really athletic left-handed hitter.
0: It's a great body. Um, you know, that 6'3", long, strong, gonna-get-stronger type of, like, athletic, tapered build, high waist, et cetera. To shout out your son, he's got a really high waist. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's uh he's gotten really i didn't love the swing like ever ever and then he started going this off season to the hitting instructor that a lot of the saint mary's guys go to and a guy that i know from that and a guy whose work i respect above pretty much anybody as far as a hitting instructor goes and now all of a sudden shockingly the swing is pretty pretty good (laughs) amazing what good coaching will do right but um and he's he's a really good athlete uh, there's the tools to stick at shortstop he's crude but there's the tools and the athleticism and the arm strength and all that to, to stay there uh, like i said left-handed hitter I think there's a lot of juice there in the future again it's the hit tool concern it's the the polish the relative polish with other prep shortstops that's a concern um but yeah it's a it's a guy that if he wants to sign you know i I, I don't we have him a little bit lower than, than Eric does or Fangraphs does and, and lower than I think Baseball America does even. But as far as a guy that we, we thought for sure is a, is a top 10 round type of prospect. And if that dude wants to sign for whatever you're willing to pay him, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, like, yeah, that's an upside play for sure.
1: It just seems like a kid from the way you describe him. Uh, a school like Auburn is so... Good with tack and so you know, they're, they're always pretty much on the cusp of player development. It, it might be a good place for them to go play for three years. Before, uh, yep, yep. It, 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 it seems to me that you know, an, an athletic shortstop that hits left handed that you know can get a lot more polished plus get an education. It, it's kind of and a, is tough. 6'3, 185,
0: you know, like a good body, good physicality. He's a big kid. Uh, you know, he's not like one of the, the five nine one forty shortstops we're talking about. Like this is a, this is a, a dude who's going to have a grown ass man body. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> it,
1: it, it's got it. has got to be a tough choice because it's a hell of a it's a hell of a baseball mm-hmm. school. It's a hell of a school in general, but it's a hell of a baseball school to go to and a lot of legacy there. And it's it's pretty cool that a kid from Southfield, Michigan, uh, has those kind of choices. I think. Didn't,
0: he's I. A D, he's I, a DPS you know, kid, and it goes to Edison.
1: Yeah, no. I, I think I asked you about this kid because they wrote a piece about him, maybe yeah. like six or seven weeks ago. I was asking you, and you, 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 it was before you knew that he had polished his bat up, cool. and it was yeah. yeah, great athlete can't hit a lick, and right. uh, it, it's it's there's it's good to hear that he had the aptitude to. In, in, improve his offensive skills because as we both know, you know, shortstop is an offensive position now. So, yeah. you know, the, you, you got to be able to hit. So, all right. So, here's a question for you. You know, kids that are, you know, between 50 and 150, Sikowski always has a few kids that maybe have a fly or two, but that he really likes and have have a chance to to be guys because they are tooled up or maybe they, you know, have a special quality to bring to when they're, you know, they just, their game just rises during a game, you know, Mm -hmm. they're, they're able to do things. So give give us a few names that we should be watching for that uh, aren't necessarily at the top of uh, everyone's radar, but maybe are pretty damn good.
0: Well, I'm contractually obligated by the piece of paper hanging on my wall to talk about how much I like Xavier Warren from Central Michigan. Um, <laughs> fire on chips, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, got <laughs> Yeah, you. we actually, my first year at St. Mary's, we played, he we went to uh, Seaholm High School, I believe, and, and we played them. It was his senior year, and they stomped us. Stomped us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this was... Now, obviously, St. Mary's is a little bit in a, in a little bit different place as far as uh, you know program talent, but uh, yeah, they and he was that was the first time I ever seen him, and I, you know, I was this was prior to the CMU coaching change, and, and I texted my my good one of my best friends in baseball who was the recruiting coordinator there, and I said, dude, this Warren kid, he's like, yeah, he rakes, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's I, he's kind of in that. Like, I think he'll go. I think he'll get drafted. I think he'll, you know, in that fourth, fifth round range. Um, the hit tool is really polished. He's a switch hitter. He can do it for both sides. There's not a ton of juice there, but I think there's, there's a fair bit of extra base pop. Um, and he's like, he played catcher. He was a catcher coming up. And mm-hmm. Central Michigan played him a shortstop out of necessity one year. I don't think he's a shortstop, but he wasn't horrific there. Um, he's been a solid defensive third baseman. He's a candidate to move back behind the plate. Uh, it's just a really interesting type of, like, you know, if, if you can get a, an average defensive catcher out of a switch hitter who can hit, yeah, all of a sudden, like, that's big leaguer. Like, that's a no-question big league. Um Even if there's not a lot of juice there or, or he's not, like, an elite defender, like, that's absolutely the big leaguer. That might be a starter, you know. Yeah. Um, th- so that's a guy I like. I, I just like what – Aside from the, the Chippewa, I, I think that there's a, a good upside. They like the, the Kind of the safety of the hit tool to go along with some interesting versatility um, makes him interesting. Uh, just kind of scrolling here, uh, there's a high school kid from Mississippi named Slade Wilkes that I like a lot. And, and I'm sure you guys have seen me tweet about him. Um, he's probably a left fielder, but he's a left-handed hitter with just stupid juice, man. Um, it's like, you know, plus bat speed plus strength with projection for seven raw. Um, I've seen him hit some balls really, really hard, really, really far in several different directions. Uh, you know, it, it, I don't think it's a, a guy who's going to – I don't know. Like it, It's kind of like what you wanted Kristen Stewart to be, but he's a better athlete um, hmm. as far as like kind of a limited hit tool, but he's got real juice. He should get to enough of it to play every day maybe. Um, and he'll play left field, but he's he's better than Stewart in left field, like right now anyways. Uh, but yeah, like that kind of guy. I like. I just liked watching that dude hit, man. Every time he goes to the plate, he, he takes donkey hacks and, and um, he strikes out a little bit. But I've seen him walk. You know, I've seen him work counts. I've seen him work counts against really good pitchers. Um, I've seen him work counts against guys who sequence pretty well. Um, and it's just like I'm. I'm a big believer in, in the juice from the left side. Like it just that dude's like. It's one of those swings that like it, you know where you just go ooh even when he misses. Like, ooh. <laughs> Like even when he, even when he misses a fastball by a foot, like, Ooh, you know, like you heard it, you know, like you heard that barrel whip through the zone. And especially when I'm watching him play in the South and you can literally hear it of the humidity, but, uh, yeah, like <laughs> Vape, vapor grab, trails. I'm high. What's that?
3: I said vapor trails off the bat. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah,
0: exactly. Like you just, even when he swings and misses, it's just like, yeah,
3: like mm. yes. Mm.
0: Go hunt that fastball. Like, yes. Um, Another college guy, another local guy. I'm I'm high on Jack Womgren at Michigan. Um, shortstop, you know, somewhat limited on tools, but but it's super like hair on fire approach to the game. It's a really high makeup, high compete, high character type. And by limited on tools, I mean like there's really not a plus one, but there's several that that are around average. I think he's got a chance to hit. I, I think he's got a chance to stick it short. Uh, he's, he's a good athlete. Um, not a not a high end type of projection, but one of those guys who I think has, has a chance to outperform his tools. And then that may be biased because I've seen him play a ton, you know. But it's just a I, I believe in that dude for for whatever reason, you
3: know. Yeah, just one of those oh. dudes you like to watch play because he's just getting after it 100 and yeah. and can do a lot of things you reasonably know, like,
0: well. Got in the super regional last year, squared off with the dude from UCLA, who slid in hard on a KO Thomas. Like I like that, you know. He didn't throw any punches, but he was like, well, you know don't fucking do that again. Yeah. You know, like, I'll beat your ass. You know, I like that. Like that. Yeah, well, um, fuck you is good. <laughs> I mean, you Yeah, need that. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's not, he's not an asshole. You know, he's not, he's not a, in anything like that. But, like, he saw a dude do something to his teammate that he didn't like and, make no mistake, was in that dude's face letting him know about it. And I love that. Oh, yeah. I love it, that. It's, it's Ian Kinsler, baby. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's it's actually, that's, I, you know, it's, I don't think that he's going to be Kinsler, but that's not a bad as far as comparisons go, like similarities to the profile, um, similar body type, similar this, that, the other thing. Uh, Blomgren doesn't have the power that Kinsler does pull side, but it's similar, like plays with his hair on fire, plays with a little bit of that, that fuck you, like you said, Brandon, and, and it plays above his tools, um, a really coachable kid, you know, it, and obviously Michigan now being, it is one of the premier programs in the country now with what back has built it into. Yeah. And that dude played short every day as a freshman. He he didn't hit at all, and they didn't run him out there. I know he's going to play a good shortstop. I know he's going to have competitive at-bats even if he's in over his head. And, like, uh, that sinks a lot of kids. You know, a kid who doesn't have success in a lot of playing time as a freshman, there's a lot of kids you never hear from that guy again. And Blomgren, just to his credit, played every single day, took his lumps offensively, and then the next year improved in every facet of his game and played every game again. Oh, yeah, love yeah, it. Yeah, there's something to be said for guys who do that. And, and obviously, that's partially a testament to the Michigan player dev system there. But I mean, I don't know. I, I'm just a, a big fan of that dude. I just like watching him play. He plays with his hair on fire. It's just a, a real, like, yeah, you know, I, I think the term throwback ball player is kind of overused, but he is. He's a throwback ball player, like yeah. from the 80s. I, I've got that a same. Slide s- hard in the second pitch, but yeah.
3: Yeah, I've got that same soft spot you know that, that was kind of what what popped for me a little bit watching sir video you know not not that he's gonna play like Ian Kinsler but he just seemed like one of those dudes who was like high energy all the time right like intense, yeah, non-stop
0: so. chatter and, and mark and, and Mark will tell you and I'm sure Jordan uh, who pitched at a high level would be able to tell you too like you love that dude when he's on his on your team and despise him when he's not yeah yeah and there's something to be said for that like if that dude that dude's running his mouth the whole game like shut up if he's if he's on the other team. but <laughs> yep. if he's on your team you're like hell yeah dude keep talking yep you know.
3: I can, yep i can see it, those you know, guys next getting tight that. out there they're, they're sick of listening to you keep it going yep over six or seven
1: years i, I can literally probably remember the names of those kids because you yeah. right you 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 love them when they play with you and you absolutely <laughs> just on a Throw a couple uh, that make them dust their uniform off when uh, they're playing
0: against you. So, and yeah. on the drive home, on the drive home, you're complaining about him, yeah. but like you have a begrudging respect for them at the same
1: time. Yeah, you
3: know? yeah, <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Yeah. How yeah. about
1: this? I, you know, I tell you, I tell you, what's funny is a kid, a kid that Jordan played against that was always a good player, and he was never a great player until he was a senior. Now plays in the show, dude which is John birdie. I mean, John okay. birdie, Troy, Troy high school, baby. So mm-hmm. shout out to John birdie who did, didn't see that coming, but he's in the show and he did something when he got there. So right. good for John.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you, man. Like, I love those dudes. Let talk about. Um, I, I'll give you one more too. As a college arm. I saw earlier this year and that's Bryce Stelder from Texas. um, it's not overpowering stuff, but it's like 355s that he pitches his ass off with. It, it's a, it's a, it's it's ninety ninety three. The, the slider is like a true downer, and it tunnels extremely well off the fastball. It, it plays really, really well together. He can throw a change up. He throws a ton of strikes. It, it's more of a physically mature, um, this is who he is, back-end starter type of profile, but, but a guy who I think has a pretty high probability to reach that. I think that's a guy that they would need to target. You know, probably at 73 or before, if they wanted him. But but that's I, I just I like watching that dude pitch. He he's one of those guys you look up and it's a sixth inning. You're like, damn. Like okay, <laughs> sure, all right. You know, you guys want to get beers in an hour? Like you, all of a sudden it's a sixth inning. and He's throwing 57 pitches. Like like that. Uh, you look yeah. down and go, oh. You know, you look down at your chart and it's he's missed an, an equal amount of bats with his fastball and slider, and and he's at 70 strikes or some shit. And you're like, damn, this is. Cause, yeah. you know because when you put the gun up and it just keeps reading 91 92 93 it, you know it's not sexy it doesn't grab you necessarily but then as you as you study that guy more and as you watch him more and and you begin to appreciate him for what he does extremely well and you start to think about well if he does this this well can he can he get out to the major league level and and time and time again it's shown that that wild velocity is like you do have to be able to locate, you do have to be able to to have some deception, you do have to be able to tunnel your off speed pitches, and he does all that. And it's not like he throws slow; yeah. it's just, you know, it's 90-93, and he's not all that projectable. But but that's a guy I think can um, similar type of upside to now what we're talking about with Fieedo, yeah, um, a, a guy that you don't really see beyond a number four or number five starter, but but a guy who, who that's valuable. If you have a good number four starter, that's intensely
3: valuable. I mean, look at the literal last Tigers good team. You know. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Listen, actually, listen. actually, all right, go for it, Mark. I I got two I, I, two I, I general gonna, questions I, I want to get to. All
1: right, I was going to say that I think that people have lost the appreciation for a guy that can throw strikes and manipulate the baseball. It, you you know maybe you maybe you're not a starter, but you know those guys. You can throw, you know, they can throw a lot 70, 70 outings a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're 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 pretty valuable. Everybody doesn't need to throw a hundred if you can manipulate the baseball, make it move, and throw strikes. It, it there's something to be said for that. And yep, for sure. I, I I think smart teams understand the value in it. Uh, I think too many people are overly uh, married to the idea of of you know, gun readings still, you know, I, I mm-hmm. mean, look for, if I'm going to pay a guy money, I want to see some gun readings, but you know, if it, the subtlety of that later in the draft, I think is lost on too many people. Well,
3: so. the, well it's gotten Mark, beyond the gonna, gun. Well, I'm sorry. I, on, was, I was just going to say, yeah, it's, it's gotten beyond the gun too, to where, you know, where it's, you know, just all the measurables, you know, but I mean, it's, you know, the guy who has the, the you know, the, the spin rate that pops the guy who has, you know, the hottest fastball, like th- those two things stand out, but I kind of wanted to, to just ask, I mean, is there there sort of a trend toward teams like really looking at college programs and trying to understand how close their pitchers are to being maxed out in terms of pitch design? Um, You know, some guys are further along or or have seen that kind of coaching more than others. And do you kind of figure that those guys may have less projection left than maybe some guys who are raw and haven't seen, you know, the the best of, of, you know, coaching using all the technology? Mm-hmm. yeah and
0: on the other side of that coin is is quite honestly there are several colleges who have better coaches than major league coaches
2: mm-hmm.
0: i mean that that's just reality like i think we have 120 minutes from detroit and, and chris fetter at michigan i think he's an example um mm-hmm. matt hobbs at arkansas is another example like we the list could go on and on it, 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 you know nate Yeski's a guy a famous name as far as that is that is—that goes so like i think there's guys who um, are getting coaching and getting tech instruction and getting pitch design and getting all of that stuff when they're in college. And that's right now, you know, depending on who drafts them, they're ahead of what they'll ever see leading up to the majors. And and leading up until last year, the Tigers were one of those systems where like, you know, Casey Mize saw better instruction and better tech at Auburn than he did coming into pro ball as the number one overall pick. And now that might not be the case, given the the Tigers – uh, advancements in player dev and tech and all that, but you know, there's there's some cases, and like I said, in Arkansas is one of them, Michigan's one of them, Arizona and Oregon State before that, as far as uh, Yesky goes, and, and there's a handful of other places. I think Danny Burrell at, at Georgia Tech is one of those guys um, that that you're seeing that that kind of like. Well, this dude is getting more out of him than a pro system yeah. would in some
3: cases. And you see those big, pro like, Wake Forest spent all, all that money, um, which kind of brings yep. me to Schuster, who I, who I really like. Um, can I just real quick, what do you think of uh, Schuster's breaking ball, just real fast? Because I, I, really like, I really like him, and I know that's one of the, the, the little hang-ups people have. Um, but it seems like the potential for a, an, at least an above-average breaking ball is there to me.
0: I'm 100% with you. I have a 45-55 on it. Okay. So yes, thank yes. you. <laughs> um, yep, yep. I, I think I think that concerns a little bit oversold. Okay, um, just because it's not as good as his fastball or his changeup doesn't mean it's not good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, with a guy like that, and I know, and I've I've said this to people before. I might have even said this on this show. Um, lefties who are changeup driven terrify me if they can't spin it.
2: Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So
0: for Schuster, like last year, uh, and even down the cake you know, uh, in the summer when it was, it, when it wasn't quite an average breaking ball or it wasn't quite showing average, like, but the changeups plus, and he's adding velocity and he's throwing more strikes. Like all of those things are positive. But until that dude started spinning an average slider, I was scared of it. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just, it's just a, a little like, you know, there's only like a handful of left-handed pitchers ever who have come into, however, maybe not ever, but in recent memory, as far as like who just pitched off their changeup and dominated as starters. Right. Yeah. But like Johan Santana is the obvious example. And Liriano's another one too, but he had a breaking ball. Um, but but it's it's a once he started spinning that average slider, it's like okay, yeah, all right, I, I'm in. You know, I'm in now. Not that I wasn't in before; I was just more scared.
3: You yeah, know? you were more like um, third, fourth yeah. round. Now you're like okay, probably yeah. second, probably yeah. Maybe maybe the pick of thirty eight. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'd be fine with that. I'd we'll love see. to find I, a bad, but yeah. Yeah,
0: I, I know that you and. Uh, fellow Tigers interwebs person, Jay Markle, are very, very excited about Schuster.
3: <laughs> 38. <laughs> I've been seeing that for a while now. I'm, um, I'm more excited about him at 62, but I'd be okay with him at 38, I think. <laughs> yeah.
0: Man, buddy, I'll buy his steak dinner if he's there at 62. Oh, uh,
3: all right. You're on. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to happen, though, I'm afraid. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, I, I like him. Dude. I, I think there's a, you know, I think the, the addition of the breaking ball, And if you can get him to spin it even a little bit better than that, like it goes from back end to maybe mid-rotation type of guy, type of projection.
1: You know, I, I will add this while you're talking about that, is I think a lot of times when we're doing all this draft discussion every year, we just totally abandon the idea of how much some kids are able to improve both the consistency of what they can do, or learn how to manipulate the baseball a little bit more and developing a pitch or in it's, you totally change the trajectory of what you are as a player. And I I think looking at them in their rawest form, which is more often than not what they are right now, um, you just sometimes have to, understand there's a lot of projection left and in and i'll give you this one tangible example that a lot of people that listen to us can make a uh make make a thought about which is look casey mize got drafted 1-1 and everybody thought he was so polished but if you watched casey mize this spring and you know, Brandon will tell you that I, I you know, Brandon and I both were not huge Casey Mize guys. And when I watched him, the second time I watched him, I watched the cutter he was throwing and he had tweaked this cutter. And mm-hmm. I, I, I called Brandon. I was just like, <laughs> dude, I, I don't know what I'm watching, but this, this is some next level Vulcan shit.
2: because <laughs>
1: <laughs> th- th- This pitch is not hittable. Yeah. And, then, not only did he tweak his cutter to where it became unhittable, he used finger pressure on a two-seamer, and he had, you know, so now he was getting uh, glove-side run on his cutter, and he was getting arm-side run on his two-seamer, and he virtually abandoned his worst pitch, which all three of us know. Everybody likes to tell you how Casey Maas throws 97, and he threw 100 on, on you know, I saw, I saw I nah. him today throwing 100, right? He, 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 but,
3: he just, but, sorry, real quick. He was just fucking with Tarek Scubel. That was all made up. But go ahead. All right. But regardless, I mean, Casey, Casey Myers throws ninety six, ninety eight when he's throwing a four seamer. It is straight, and yeah. it is
1: probably his most hittable pitch. And mm-hmm. that—that's the whole point. So what he did once he—he he polished the cutter and tweaked the two seamer. The only real time he was throwing these four seamers was at the top of the zone when they were looking for other things as. Kind of a chase pitch. And, it, you know, there was a guy who was 1 int- 1, <laughs> polished his entire arsenal. He's also tweaked his slider. And projection, when you get into the major leagues and all you're doing all day, every day, with unlimited resources to do it, you're going to see kids who we never talked about all of a sudden be really good because they have the aptitude to manipulate the baseball and maybe, and, and
3: maybe yeah. the will to, you know, to do it, you know, like yeah. I, rem- I remember hating Matt Boyd when we traded for him. I thought Matt Boyd was really kind of nothing um, to be honest. And I mean, it's n- very few pitchers transform themselves that radically, but it's like, how would you, how would you know that that guy was going to do it? You know, he's a big lefty, You know, he had, you know, he had solid velocity for a lefty. I mean, there was, there were things to like, but you know, I I never in a million years would have thought someone would, you know, change their, their arm angle that dramatically, like reshape all their pitches. Like the whole thing has been just mind boggling.
0: (laughs) It's been great. Absolutely. And it's, it's another testament to like something that, that is not talked about nearly enough. is like, like uh, people underestimate how good major leaguers are, you know, like people really do. You know they're the best players in the world, but like you, you don't, people don't. The average fan looks at, at the draft board and, and sees Casey Mize and sees Polish and sees Perkelson this year and sees this that that the other thing, as far as performers, and they're the top college players and they do it in good conferences and they do it against good pitching, and like don't really recognize that there's still a monstrous jump to the major leagues. Yeah, oh, just a gigantic one.
3: It's that football? You know, people don't, thinking, people don't yeah. get that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a, you know, and like Mark said, to, to Casey Mize's credit, and I think probably to Tigers player Dev and Dan Hubbs as, as to some degree, um, he knew he had to get better. He knew he, he identified early, and I, I think he you know getting his tits whacked in in double uh, A last year in the second half of the season probably had something to do with it. But he realized, like, well, shit. You know, like I am a team man. There's no guarantee with mine. It's as good as he is, as polished as he is, as, as aptitude as he is, and there's no guarantee with Torkelson because they, there's such a massive leap to the major leagues, just yeah. a gigantic one.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a great point to, to always keep in mind. I, even I slip on that, and just you know, you just don't you don't think about how vast the gap is to get there. Yeah, let alone be good.
1: Correct. Yep. So yep. it's it, it, you know, look that that's, it's also part of scouting and, and Brian would really understand this. I mean, Brandon, you and I are pretty good about this, but Brian does it every day. That, that That's where some parts of scouting, you just, you can't watch a guy's video. You can't watch him on the field. You can't read about him and understand everything you need to know. Good player dev guys may talk to a kid, they talk to his coaches, they see things about how he might have progressed over time and they understand his aptitude to process information and get better. And that's part of what good scouting is, is understanding a guy's at 50% of his potential and he has the aptitude to get to 80%. And I mm-hmm. can draft him in the 3rd round, but when he's polished, he's got the value of guys that are going in the first round. That's what good organizations understand how to do. Okay? And bad organizations are clueless. They're, you know, I mean, I think one of the... Look, I am a huge tech guy, but I think one of the the issues, and no team sells out more to this premise than the Houston Astros. Houston, if, Brian, you could tell, you you could back this up, but I've heard that they're pretty close to almost abandoning you know, they have a...
3: I think they have just about, they have really yeah.
1: They've <laughs> really cut their scouting... Yeah, yeah, they've cut their scouting staff on the road
3: mm-hmm. a
1: lot. I'm not saying they don't do really great background work because any major league team understands the value of doing background, but... I, I think there's something to be said from getting some in person looks about a kid and understanding how to do due diligence about players. You, you, there's still a place for that in the game, and there is nobody that loves high tech player development more than Mark Gore.
3: Well, that stuff can be a, so, a that can become a crutch, you know, like in the HRing of 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 America, you know, like spin rate and all those sorts of things can just become. The thing that you can point to later when you screw it up to say like, hey, you know, like, the, you know, we, we bought on everything that was right. You know, it can be kind of a shield um, rather than, you know, letting you see through it, too. And, and you know, there's there's fear of failure in, in any industry. And, you know, when you have things that are concrete and that you can measure, there's a tendency to overemphasize them because you can always point back to them. And it's not your opinion on the line. It's, you know... Hey, the kid had you know twenty five hundred RPMs on his fastball. You know he was hitting ninety five. You know he's tall, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, you got you still have to see through all that. Um, and I'm sure there are you know there probably are scouts and teams and stuff who fall into that trap too. Just like in any any industry or organization.
0: I don't know if this is possible, but like the first person who's able to positively like quantify aptitude mm-hmm. and positively like quantify ability to process new information and apply it is going to be the richest man in the world. Yeah. Yeah, so like, uh, that's the biggest thing. Like, that's the where, where, scouts, where scouting fails. And it's not, it, you know, indicative of bad scouting or anything like that. But you can't quantify that. Yep. You can say, hey, yeah, I, I've seen this kid make adjustments. I've seen this kid respond to failure. I've seen this kid do that. I really like him as a person. He works his ass off, this, that, the other thing. You still can't tell me, like, with a number, what percentage of new information this kid is able to... Uh, process and, and apply, you know, with athleticism to, to do so physically, you know, like that, that's where scouting could, you know, where, where the, the inherent risk of it is. Cause we don't know, we can take educated guesses. We, we do that better than, than anybody else. Uh, you know, I think because we're trained to, um, but as far as as like positively saying you can't, you yeah. just can't,
1: yeah. especially you know, in baseball. You, you know, the other part, Bri is, is that, uh, what I, you know, what, you know, we're from essentially the three of us are three different generations of baseball. Okay. You're, Mm -hmm. you're the, by far the, the youngest new age generation. Uh, you know, Brandon's a little more middle age and I'm a fossil. All right. (laughs) And, and, but but what I will, will lend to what you're saying is, is that you're dealing with kids between 18 and 22 years old. And Mm -hmm. uh, all of us know, and, re- and even I, you know, forty years hence, remember how fucking stupid we were
3: between eighteen <laughs> and twenty-two.
1: I mean, yeah, right? Yeah. You, you don't
3: Eight, eighteen to... and thirty, Mark. Eighteen and thirty for me. <laughs> uh, but,
1: but my point is,
3: is that you think you know things, all right? But the other part about
1: it is, is that you, even when you're willing to learn and to try to master tasks, your capacity to understand how to do that well is so underdeveloped. You have to learn how to learn. And and you know, so that's the kind of things we're talking about now. We're talking yeah. about a player draft of kids between eighteen and twenty two years old and then you're a applying all this information and, and, and trying to understand aptitude and a lot of these kids, even though you've been coached and we've all, we were all around it and we've all seen kids from the age of nine years old up to this 18 to 21 year old, you know, window of time. And it's still, you're, you're, you think much differently as a, as a young man than you do when you start doing things for a living. OK, mm-hmm. and that's when we bring up the story about Casey Myers. That's that's the beauty of it, because there was one of the most sophisticated players as far as aptitude and the ability to learn things and put them into practice. And in his
3: first offseason yeah. after playing the one one pick, <laughs> yeah. the one one pick and he made
1: a, a tweak. A subtle tweak, by the way. It wasn't like he didn't have a cutter. He did, but this mm-hmm. cutter, this cutter went from, oh, that cutter's pretty good to, oh my God, what? The- I don't know if anybody can hit that. Yeah. And and it's that's what you. That's part of the science of team building. That's understanding. it you also have to have instructors that understand how to impart the wisdom or have the patience for players that are impatient or immature in order to be able to teach them. And and that's that's the entire science of, of team building. That,
3: that's and and some guys convenient. like Matt Boyd, you know, and, and teammates, you know, of, of similar mindset who challenge each other, you know, and, and compete against each other, but help each other, you know. I'd love to see those guys all on the same staff with uh, with with a Matt Boyd type character for a while.
1: Well, that's right. that's why there's something qualities about Matt Boyd that you see that you you say to yourself, maybe you shouldn't trade him. Maybe there's
3: yeah intrinsic I mean,
1: value there.
3: That's about it, as it, high a character guy, you know, as you're going to get. And I'm not going to oversell anybody on, you know, being a good guy. is going to, you know, make you successful. But when you have all that on top of it, you know, it's like that, that is a leader. That's, that's a guy that you, that you want right. on your team.
1: Correct. All right, Brian, I wanted to ask you, because I'm going to assume that Tigers are going to be terrible again. It, mm. You know, how, how's the 2021 draft look for talent? I mean, we, we all see lighter and Kumar Rocker, but I mean, you know, kind of give us, I see obviously there's some really high end pitching talent, but, you know, go, go backwards. And what are we looking at, you know, from an overall depth standpoint?
0: Uh, What if I were to tell you that my favorite player in that class was neither one of those guys? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited. Uh, I I saw Jaden Hill pitch uh, from LSU at, at the Shriners Classic right before the shutdown. And like, when I tell you I made a noise I don't think I've ever made before, and like people looked at me, it, yeah, like it, his first, you know, it, it's it's a a six foot five, two hundred and twenty pound chiseled specimen right hander who is a really good athlete who was and, and he, granted he was closing, it was this wasn't in a starting role, but who in th- in a three inning cl- in a three inning like close down was ninety five ninety eight with an absolute hammer slider that, that was a seven at times. And then the ability to front door a changeup, like swing it back front door to a right-handed hitter mm. for a strikeout. Like, and he does it easy and you know, he's athletic and he moves well and the delivery looks good to me. And, and he, you know, he's going to need to prove it as a starter next year. Um But dude, in, in a vacuum, like I, you know, like I said, man, I was like, I called Vinny, uh, my colleague, Vinny Cervino, who, while we work on the draft together, he's kind of more in charge of the underclass lists. Like as we progress them and then we work on the, the main one together in the draft year, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I called him like in the stadium still. And I was like, dude, where do you have Jaden Hill on the sophomore list? He's like, Oh, you know, like 23. I was no higher. He's like, Oh, okay. Like top 15. I was no like top 10. No, <laughs> you know, he's like top five. And I was like, name five better players. More than, you know, so I think he's like number three on that list right now. And, and um, yeah, the high school class is interesting. Um, it's a really interesting year in the state of Michigan next year for high school kids. Uh, there's as many as uh, three or four or five guys who, who have a chance to be, you know, relatively high draftees as prep kids out of the state, which is really unique. Yeah. Who's the um, shortstop? Who's the kid from the west side of the state, the shortstop? Luke Leto. Luke Leo, um, left-handed hit him shortstop, who, when he was in eighth grade, an SEC recruiting, a recruiting coordinator told me he reminded him of, uh, Corey Seager,
3: um, which, you know, <laughs> that'd be good. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Not
0: bad. Praise, uh, yeah. You know, there's a bunch next year, man. It's Alex Mooney, uh, the St. Mary's kid uh, is, I think he's got a chance to go in the first round next year. And I've told him that through his face. So I don't care if he hears that.
2: <laughs> um,
0: you know, it must, it, it must be cool. Must be cool for you because how long have you known that kid? Yeah, he, I met him when he was in eighth grade, getting ready to come to St. Mary's. His older brother was was on the team um, as a sophomore, and Alex was in eighth grade. It was my first year at St. Mary's, and I, I got to meet him. Uh, he came up like to to hang out and like work out after practice on the St. Mary's field, and was taking some ground balls and just kind of hanging out. And you could tell, man. Uh, you, you know, you tell you can tell special. You just can't. Um, and I think he's, he's got a chance to be special. And There's some arms, man. Uh, Micah Ottenbright, the kid from Trenton High School, next year he's committed to Michigan State. Uh, really, really huge development strides like throughout the course of this spring uh, in terms of getting stronger and therefore unlocking more stuff. Uh, that's a guy whose name you may hear this summer on the circuit. He may make some pretty loud noise. Um, and there's an arm in, in Saginaw named Avery Goldensoft who's committed to U of M. Uh, it was really, really good. It's a really good year in the state next year. But, oh, that's
2: awesome. but like on the
0: national, yeah, on the national side, it's the the main arms at the top, like you talk about the college ranks.
2: <laughs>
0: um, Brady House is the number one high school player in the country right now per perfect game. Uh, he's a big physical kid who played shortstop for uh, a high school in Georgia. Um, generally not the body type that you would think plays short, long-term, but he's a good enough athlete for where you think about it. Uh, really, really good athlete for a dude who's chiseled and physical and strong. He's like up to 96, 97 on the mound uh, in relief outings and then hits absolute nukes uh, <laughs> from the right side of the plate. Guy to like there. The college class is going to be really strong, I think. Uh, it's some aces, ace potential at the top, which it doesn't always happen, and it may not happen. Like, after another year of analysis, we might decide these guys aren't as good as we think they are. But um, right now, there's there's a couple, like, ace type of guys at the top, and Kumar and Jaden Hill, like I said. And uh, There's some really interesting bats, some really interesting mid-major school bats, which I, I always love. Uh, you know, like the, the, who was it a couple of years ago, Swaggerty from South Alabama. Um, like, those types of stories where the, the mid-major kid goes in the top ten. Like there's a couple of those guys got a chance to do that next year. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's a. It looks like a good class. It looks like it's going to be college heavy again. The prep class, just on the surface, I don't think is quite as strong as 2020. But ask me again in a year. You know.
3: But yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, that it sounds pretty good though. Yeah, it sounds interesting for sure. It's it's nice to hear Michigan's coming along in this department. Yeah, we've got got some players coming up. Yeah.
0: And they'll have a, U of M will have a, them by themselves. We'll have, I I think Steve Hajar, the lefty has got a chance to be a first rounder next year. Um, you know, and and they got some other ones too. It's depending on who they get back. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if, if, if Franklin and Wogu and, uh, Blomgren all go back and make another run at Omaha or something like that. So it's, Uh, You you could see a bunch of higher-drafted kids from U of M next year, too, let let alone the the prep kids I talked about.
3: Yeah. It's just beautiful seeing U of M come up like this. Even if you're, you know, anybody, if you're a state fan, whatever, I don't care. It's totally fine. I'm not really a fan of either in particular, but it's just nice to, yeah, nice to have a team doing something for sure.
1: Uh, Yeah. Put together a strong program. Here's what I will say as the diehard green and white person. Everything Jim Harbaugh purported to be, packages packages
0: that's fair that's a really good hey man that's and you know like I, I try and uh, in my professional life maintain some level of uh um, <laughs> yes neutrality but you know like I mark you and I you knew me way back mm-hmm. when I grew up in mm-hmm. Michigan fan like I don't make any mm-hmm. pardons about that um so like yeah I remember being stoked about Harbaugh you know like, like everybody was but I think that you hit the nail on the head there and not that Harbaugh's done a bad job by any stretch but like you know, man, package. Yeah, they yeah. got something still there right now. Dude. Listen, it's it's there. hard to be this good in
1: in collegiate baseball. Yeah, coming from the state of Michigan, it, it's almost unheard of. So, I tip my hat to the guy. I think he's probably a big league manager one day. He said he's literally that good, so uh, it wouldn't shock me. So, uh, hats off to the guy.
3: Yeah. 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 Yep. Absolutely. Well, all right. I think uh, I think we've uh, held Brian's attention for almost two hours now. You probably got like five other things scheduled. <laughs> I really I, want I to thank you. you
0: another, the- I do have another
3: session tonight later on. Oh, so, yeah. God, you're a, you're a beast. Yeah, it's, a, it's impressive. Uh, I really want to thank you for coming on. Uh, I've, I've been looking forward to talking to you. Um, I've heard your appearances with Chris and Roger for, for years. Um, so and uh, Mr. Hookslide back in the day a little bit further back. Yep, so, yeah. Yeah. Great to talk to you, man. Yeah, dude, thank you
0: for having me. Like, literally any time, man, absolutely. Oh,
3: awesome. yes yeah. c-
1: could, couldn't be prouder of you, man. You are... You, 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 I appreciate you, it, man. You are a national star who literally grew from a sprout do, going, going to games in West
0: Michigan and... Doing, Dumbass kid hanging out in the West Michigan stands, do, yeah. Doing,
1: doing, doing a pot, doing, doing a... Listen, I got to tell you. Back in the day, when you and Jordan did some, did your podcast together, it was a pretty good podcast. So
2: <laughs> We
0: definitely had fun with it. There's no yeah, doubt about it.
1: It was pretty good. I wish you the best of luck, and thanks for coming out with us. Appreciate it, guys. Take it easy, boys.
3: All right. You too, man. Have a good night. And, uh, yeah, thanks, everybody, for uh, sticking around and joining us. And uh, we'll talk to you all soon. Mark, peace out, brother.
2: Yeah.